Okay. All right. Hello and welcome to the 19th edition of the Two Black Two Nerdy Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm your host, Chris. And um, today we have a variety of topics. Um, the Arrowverse shows are just coming back this next following week, so we're going to talk about um, some other stuff, uh, just some kind of miscellaneous things. I think first we want to talk about um, Young Justice uh, Season 3. It's on the DC Universe app. Um, Chris, what do you think? Well, I have been a fan of this. They are definitely not shying away from, hey, we don't have to sell toys anymore, so let's ramp up the social commentary, let's ramp up the blood, things like that. It's sort of hard for me to believe it's been six years since season two. Yeah, yeah, no, it's been a while since the end of Young Justice season two, and I mean, it's a rarity that a show that old gets saved. I mean, the only show I can think of, I mean, like, something like Family Guy was canceled multiple times and brought back, but that was relatively quick, and Samurai Jack got brought back couple years ago now almost so that was mm-hmm. um that's probably another example but yeah i mean the fans saved young justice and i mean they definitely the, I, I really dig in the new storyline um they did another time skip though this one wasn't as long as before um wally let's get a, okay so spoilers if you're not caught up though this happened six years ago wally's still dead yep. um uh, pretty much everyone in the old team they're all they're all pretty much now we have a situation where the old team is mentoring a lot of new characters that we haven't seen and yeah. the team this time they're really like outside of the justice league so there's still like a young justice style team that's like you know kind of the junior justice league that's a part of the league but the new team we've gotten a lot of focus on are kind of like a bunch of misfits almost the misfit toys right you know and so Instead of the titular outsiders being led by Batman, they're led by Nightwing. Yeah. Yeah, which I I mean, I think is cool. I thought, I I was afraid we were going to get Grayson for the season, but it looks like he's still Nightwing, so that's good. Right. Wasn't wasn't really a fan of Grayson. For those of you who don't know, it was a New 52 saga where Nightwing, like, faked his death and he was, like, a spy, you know? I don't know. I like Nightwing the best when he's Nightwing, to be honest. Yeah, not when he's Rick or Grayson. But we don't talk about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's been um, very interesting with this sort of meta-human trafficking, which is sort of a social commentary on human trafficking going on. And in the real world, um, you have you know debates on essentially racism between humans and meta-humans. Um, social commentary on politics with the Markovia uh, family bloodline, things like that. So I think they have really taken a really strong step uh, with this season, and they've introduced a lot of new likable characters, um, but sort of in the same molds as some of the original characters, but they're also their own people, which is nice. Yeah, they're different. I mean, you've got well, you've got Brion, who's sort of like the angry one. Right. You've got um, who's a girl that can uh, who can't die? Halo. Halo. Well, she can die. She just comes back. Yeah, yeah. Dude, Halo gets killed every episode. It's like a Katie from South Park. Yeah, and she comes back every time. I think um, my my we'll get into the speculation on the character uh, later. Forger, I think, is a fan favorite. Yeah, the Forager's cool. Yeah. Um, 
he's a cool character. He's fun. He's kind of wacky. Um, and then they brought back, you know, some of the old ones. So you have Connor and Megan who are engaged. Uh, Nightwing who is in a relationship with Barbara who is or- in a wheelchair. Oracle now. Yes, in a wheelchair, which means the killing joke has happened. At some point, yeah, for sure. You know, uh, Which is weird. I wouldn't think that this Joker, like the version of the Joker we saw, would be one to do something like well, that. Well, let, let, let's keep it real. Young Justice's version of the Joker, not not the greatest animated Joker. True. Not 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 the greatest. That's that, that one thing that I'll... Yeah, not even. That's one thing I would definitely knock them for is that their Joker... I mean, when they use the Joker, because we haven't seen him in this season, but when they used the Joker before, he they, they treated him like almost like a B-list style villain. Where it's like, right. you know, the Joker, I mean, he's poisoned the entire Justice League before. You know, he's done stuff like that. Like, the Joker, you know, it was if he has, you know, prep time, he's able to handle, you know, multiple superheroes and people with powers, you know, when he gets to jump on them and that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, so. But, um, yeah, the killing joke happened. Uh, Oracle. Um, Damian Wayne is a baby. Yes. Jason Todd is alive, question mark, yeah. but probably. Yeah, he's working with uh, Rachel Ghoul, who's not in charge of the League of Shadows anymore. Yeah, which means that Jason was, within the last year or two, he was uh, resurrected. Yeah, I'm sure he'll... Uh, I'm, they're, they're, they have to do something with him, because, I yeah. mean, he, he recognized Nightwing. He was gray, son. I was like, oh, there's it's Jason, Jason Todd. Todd. Yeah, dude, whenever there's someone with a mask and they don't say who it is, it's Jason Todd. I think Next, Jason Todd. I think in the comics, this is just off topic, but I think in the Batman comics, um, they're bringing in uh, the Arkham Knight, yeah, from the video game. But like Jason Todd is Red Hood, so who's the new Arkham Knight going to be? You know, Jason Todd the, clone. They're the clone <laughs> of Jason Todd. But um, I'm trying to think of um uh, some good moments from Young Justice season two. Um, uh, Jefferson Pierce, dude, getting him back out there. Dude, He's getting his groove back in more ways than one. Yeah, he is. Yeah, dude. There's. Yeah, I'm actually shocked. There's been. A, there was a lot of Black Lightning in Young Justice season three. Um, yeah, we not as much static though. Not as much static. I'm kind of disappointed. I really hope we get some more static in the back half. But um, yeah. I, guess, I mean, Black Lightning's a show now, so I guess they're like, well, okay, this character is maybe big enough to do stuff. We do see his uh his daughters. They're young in this. Um, his ex-wife is confirmed to be John Stewart's sister. Yes. So um, that was a good connection because um, that's something that I wish they would do in the Black Lightning show, but they're not going to. I mean, all, yeah. all I want, all I want is Lynn to talk about her brother John. That's it. Right. That's all she has to say. You'd be like, how's your brother John doing? I don't know. He's off on one of his trips. That's it. That's all I need. Yeah. But um, um that was cool. Um oh, oh, my favorite episode was the episode with the uh the Roy's. Oh yeah, with Roy, Will What's the other one's name? <sighs> was it Jim? Yes, Roy Will cause Jim Harper. Roy Will, Jim, and dick all had their adventure being security guards and that was a great episode yeah it was mainly because it's the same voice actor voicing three different people yeah yeah and i'm like well that that guy he had he got to have fun for sure but um 
Yeah, because I was curious about what they're going to do with that. Because then, like, the whole Roy Harper clone thing was, like, a big threat through season one and two. So I thought right. that was a nice, I don't know, that was a fun episode. Right, and it was. And uh, it's funny in the episode with all the kids and human partners of the superheroes, it was funny to see that um, who asked uh, Will about, Will is the old, the Roy Harper clone, uh, just for if people don't know, um, that asked Will about him and Artemis, because Artemis is taking care of Leanne, who is Cheshire and Will's daughter. She's helping taking care of her. So uh, Tigress Artemis stays there, and uh, one of the wives asked Will about him and Artemis. She's like, no, 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 they're, we're just friends. There's nothing there, and I'm like, Wally's coming back definitely this season. Yeah, he is. Yeah, no, Wally's coming back, clearly. It's going to be awkward. And he's going to be the most powerful speedster, I hope. Though they Wally said something weird that, like, I mean, people are like, okay, Wally's clearly in the Speed Force, but then then apparently, like, the Speed Force doesn't exist in the Young Justice universe, and I'm like, that's dumb. Why would you do that? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the Roy episode was my favorite so far, and, uh, Beast Boy's an actor. Yes, which is kind of funny. And he's voiced um, by Teen Titans Beast Boy now, they changed his voice actor. Yeah. Same I one that does them in that. Go, because I was like, yeah. I had to pull up YouTube after I watched it the first time, I was like, was that, was that the original? So, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, so speculation time. I am pretty sure that Halo, who is the new girl, um, is the mother box in human form. Like the mother box got transferred into her. You think so? Yeah, because the way she's able to interact with Sphere, she's able to essentially not die. Like she dies and gets brought back, which is something the mother box can do. And some of her powers, like I'm just waiting for her to learn how to teleport. And the fact that she just knew things about New Genesis without anyone telling her, I'm like, yeah, you're a mother box. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm assuming in the back half, I mean, we, we've already gotten hints at, uh, I mean, we've seen Darkseid right. again, which that was a big tease of season two. I was curious if they were going to bring that back, and they did. So, I mean, Darkseid will probably be the final big bad um, of the season. Granny Goodness is uh, masquerading as a person. On TV. Fair, they're not even hiding Granny Goodness. No. They're not hiding her at all. No. Which is fine. I, I think it, at this point, most people who watch Young Justice have watched the other DC animated universe things. They are well aware of who m the majority of these characters are. Yeah, and uh, we got Vandal Savage's origin story, kind of. Right, and that was a tribute episode to Miguel Ferrer because he passed away a couple years ago, and he was the original voice of Vandal Savage. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually on the wiki. Yeah, no, he did. Yeah, he died in, in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. He, he played quite a few characters in the DC Animated Universe. Um, he was in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as the Vice President in Iron Man 3. So he was uh he was a presence in the uh comic book world, so in the comic book he, movie and animated world. So. He was in Jackie Chan Adventures. Yes. 
Sorry, I just I just saw that. I was like, ah, oh, the fun show. But um, yeah. Uh, so as far as um, so the prediction about the mother box is good. Um, Wally is clearly coming back. After all that, you know, they're, yeah. they're making a point to remind us that Artemis has moved on. So I mean, we're going to get drama. Hopefully, it's not as a uh, CW. Um, I'm trying to think of other theories that I have. Do we see, um, lo- we saw, uh, um, John Kent 2 as a baby, right? Yes, yeah, I saw that, and I was like, oh, okay. Because for the vast majority of Superman, like, obviously, like in All-Star Superman, they uh, said that he had descendants. In the current Superman comic, <coughs> he has John Kent. And in a couple others, he has kids. But for the most part, in Superman's lore, they always say, like, oh, he can't um, procreate with Lois. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. We saw the uh, the twins, too. Right, the uh, Tornado twins. You know what would be nice is there are so many kids now, is if we got an episode. It doesn't have to be this season, but, I mean, they always do a time skip with, like, the kids, like the young kids of all the superheroes, I think that would be really fun. Yeah, that would be that would be a good one. Damian Wayne is around too. Though I wonder if Batman knows, but we see um we saw Talia with a baby. Right. So they're they're all there. Yeah. Who do you think is running the league? What do you mean running the league? Running the League of Shadows because someone's running it. It's not Sportsmaster. It's not Shiva. It's not, uh, right. It's not uh, Talia as an offshoot. It's not Raish. It's not Sensei. Dude, Nessa. Maybe. Could be. I'm. I'm trying to think of a. Uh, Bring Katrina Law back as Nessa. Nessa. Did Deathstroke. Um. Mm. Maybe, maybe did we see? Yeah, we saw Deathstroke. He was with the light. Yeah, he was. Speaking uh, of the light, we saw the origin of the light, and Naboo was Vandal Savage's son. Yeah. Go figure. That was weird. It was. Yeah, no, v- Vandal Savage is a cool character. I mean, like, I mean, the version of him we got in the Arrowverse. I just feel like because of budget, they didn't do. As much with them as they should have, right. you know. So, but I mean, this channel, this Vandal Savage, Savage seems cool, and he's hanging out with Dark Side, so, you know. Right, and him and Dark Side have known each other for seven hundred years, eight hundred years at almost. Um, I'm trying to think. You got anything else for Young Justice at all? Um, let's see. Uh, we've talked about them. Oh, well, the big, I guess, sort of development in the first half is that Batman, Green Arrow, um, and a couple other big leaguers leave the Justice League. Um, and a lot of the heavy hitters like Superman, Wonder Woman, uh, Black Lightning was one of them before he came back to Earth, are out doing basically like goodwill missions across the universe to restore the good name of the Justice League. And it's interesting because we find out in this batch of episodes that came out on Friday that uh, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Nightwing 
and Aquaman have put this sort of covert unit together to sort of like distract from the league uh, because they've been held back by restrictions because Lex Luthor is the head of the UN and the UN actually has power in this universe, which is hilarious. Um, so, yeah, so I think it was interesting that conversation between Wonder Woman and Batman. Like, yeah, it was cool. You know, you all are expected to lie. Like, are you okay with that? I'm like, you're looking at four out of five or five out of six people that were raised by Batman. Of course they're comfortable with deception. Yeah, I mean, it's what they do. No, I mean, and she said, it's like, yeah, dude, we're running like six different teams right now. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's interesting just because, you know, Young Justice has so many characters. By splitting, you know, different teams apart... It allows you not to have a story that's just super bloated all the time. And clearly the focus is always going to be the younger heroes, because that's why the show's called Young Justice. But I, I've, I, I definitely enjoyed that, because like sometimes when you have like the whole Justice League like army, you're like, okay, well, who can take them out? You know what I mean? Right. Versus you're able to have different things and more like internal fighting when you have a bunch of different teams, which I mean, that's kind of what the comics do. How many teams does Batman have? They're bring, they're actually bringing back uh, Batman's Outsiders in the comics oh, pretty soon. Yeah, with uh, Black Lightning. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They've they've been teasing at that uh, in that Black Lightning Batman, um, or that Batman arc with Black Lightning a couple months ago. Which is um, good because the rest of the Bat family isn't doing super well right now. Yeah. Yeah. But it ebbs and flows. So I think that should probably... I don't think I have anything else for Young Justice. Okay. Well, we can talk about... You want to talk about the uh, Spider-Man DLC? Yes. Uh, so the Spider-Man DLC. It's uh, staggered in release, I think, starting in October, then one in November and one in December. It was uh, focusing on the Magia and Hammerhead. Um... And uh, collectively, I think I would give it like an 8 out of 10. Mm -hmm. I think it started off really strong, and the second part was good. I didn't really like how it ended. You didn't? No. Like, I was a fan of bringing Silver Sable back and how her interactions with Spider-Man. I was a big fan of Black Cat and how they do that. I just don't find Hammerhead that compelling of a villain after what the story mode just was. Yeah, no, I mean, Hammerhead to me, I mean, he did kind of feel like a filler villain. I did like how he made himself a robot. I was like, I was like, all right, that's fun. And I did like having a team up with Silver Sable. I thought that was cool. Um, I will say the first DLC was probably the best, the Black Cat one. Yeah. And then the second two, uh, I, I probably liked the third one more than the second one, just because I didn't like Hammerhead that much. At least in the third one, you had some Silver Sable stuff in there. Right. Um, they had this mini arc with uh, Yuri becoming the Punisher. Yeah, the either she's going to be the Punisher, which she could be, and I'm for that, or she'll be Wraith, which is who her ca character is in the at least 616 universe. Um, Yuriko Watanabe becomes the Wraith, which is like essentially the Punisher. Yeah, no, I mean, I thought that was cool only because, like, like Yuri was a character throughout, like, the main game, you know, she was there, she helped out, her and Spider-Man worked together multiple times, 
So I was invested enough to when she's going to the dark side, I'm like, oh, okay, they're committed to this. You know, I'm curious to see. I mean, she'll probably be someone we have to fight whenever they do the next game. Right. And I was sort of, uh, I was a fan of Yuri. I really liked um, her and her character and her interaction with Spider-Man. So it's sort of going to make me sad for her to be like not a hero or not a good guy per se in in this next one well it was well because it was like yuri was like you felt like yuri was your friend you know what i mean right you know and like i mean we know we know mary jane aunt may you know i guess we didn't we didn't talk to harry but harry is you know in a coma pretty much um but it was it was just nice to have spider-man just interact with someone else and miles obviously too but i i liked yuri just because you know it's just someone else to interact with in the game. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, Aunt May's dead. And you'll have Miles in the next one for sure. Um, Mary Jane. Yeah, what do you think about Mary Jane leaving for Sarkovia in, at the end of the DLC? Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, so Mary Jane, um, you know, they... Peter and Mary Jane do their typical thing during the uh, DLC. She helps them out. I think the first DLC is when you have to play as Mary Jane again, unfortunately. But, yeah, in the third one, she decides... What's the name of the country again? I forget. Sarkovia. Sarkovia. Yeah. In the middle of the third DLC, she goes, Oh, man, there's, there's a situation in Sarkovia. I already bought a plane ticket. Bye. And Peter's just like, Okay. Which, I mean, I thought it was just strange... When, like, the whole game was about... I mean, the whole main game... I mean, the ending was, well, you know, will they, won't they, and they get back together at the end. So, I just thought it was weird that you have her leave like that, I'm assuming. I mean, from what it looks like, what they're trying to do right now, Spider-Man's not going to really have any friends except Miles right now. Right, if they do a season two of the deal. If they do a season two, or if they do a sequel to the game. And I'm curious to see... You know, are they trying to put Spider-Man in a place where he doesn't have a ton of allies, at least initially? I mean, we know that Mary Jane will come back in some way, in some form. But, you know, is Mary Jane going to come back from that trip? Is she going to disappear and come back? Like, you know, they're, they're clearly trying to do something because Yuri is uh, Yuri and Spider-Man, you know, they had a falling out. And then Aunt May's dead. So, and Mary Jane's gone. So all he really has is Miles. You know, it's pretty much like a student. And it's interesting because he clearly knows the Avengers because he references them throughout the story, like when you pass certain landmarks, like when you pass a Wakandan embassy. He was like, I wonder how King T'Challa got his powers. I don't even know if he said King T'Challa, but he might have just said T'Challa, which at that point it's like you're referring to the king just by, you know, by his name then you must know him and then he's like oh i know somebody with a shield in like i think part one or part two mm-hmm. of the dlc and it's just like okay you clearly know the avengers they're never around when you need them but you know them yeah they're too busy uh fighting thanos yeah getting snapped away yeah i mean i yeah i mean that's that's just I mean, I guess you could just assume... I mean, for this game, they clearly want to keep it a Spider-Man game. But I think the issue... Because, I mean, the Batman Arkham Knight... The Arkham games were like that, too. But I think the issue you have with Spider with Marvel is that... Marvel puts all their superheroes in New York. So you're like... 
okay, how are they not, like, on each other's turf all the time? As a pair, as opposed to, you know, with DC, you know, you can have Batman just stay in Gotham. You know what I mean? Right. And, I mean, there's been stories where it's like, okay, man, all those superheroes, they just don't go to Gotham. And they, I mean, right. I mean, Batman, they've done No Man's Land and that kind of stuff. So, you know. Right. And at least with, um, like, a hero like Daredevil, he stays in Hell's Kitchen. And that's pretty much it unless something really calls for his attention elsewhere. He pretty much stays in Hell's Kitchen. Mm-hmm. And Sp- Spider-Man, as Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, pretty much stays in his area. Mm-hmm. And Luke Cage, unless he's doing his Heroes for Hire thing, stays in his area. But then you have people like the uh, like Iron Man, who's pretty much all of New York because he can get around that quickly. Captain America is shield. But the fact that Avengers Tower, you can swing to Avengers Tower and then swing to, well, the Baxter building's not in the game, which I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. But you can swing. You could probably swing between there, there, the Wakandan Embassy, all within a matter of minutes and just be like, why didn't y'all come help when there was a plague? When there was a literal plague. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, so I thought that... Oh, I hate Screwball. I hate Screwball with a passion. Yeah, they really made her annoying. I hope they did that on purpose and were not trying to make her just, like, funny. Because she yeah. was not funny. She Sup- just annoyed me. Super villain uh, Logan Paul. Yeah. Oh, that child. Yeah, super villain Logan Paul, essentially. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, screw Screwball. I mean, the Screwball was annoying. And those, some of those missions got hard. Yeah, I would, um, like, if I got back into a corner, other than the gadget ones, I actually had fun with the gadget ones, but other than the uh, that, if I got back into a corner on any of, like, the hammerhead bases or the, screw, uh, the Screwball uh, fighting challenges, I would pump out all my drones, call up Spider-Bro, and just, like, swing around and let myself heal. It's a good strategy. I was like, that was my get You know, and in Team Four Star, Mr. Piccolo help. It was like, Spider-Bro help. Yeah. Piccolo, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Spider-Bro, that's probably my favorite gadget. Yeah, I tend to stay away from that unless I am in dire need and I need help. Um... I like using Web Blossom. I think that's a fun one. I like using the Taunt one just because it's, you know, funny. Um, oh, we didn't. Uh, we haven't talked about the the Sam Raimi costume. Oh yeah, they finally added the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man suit for free to the game. And it is a beauty. Yeah, it is. It's... Uh, they. Yeah, go ahead. So, so, for those of you who didn't know, there's a lot of drama with this because it was easily the most requested suit that people want. It wasn't in the main game. And people started harassing the developers on Twitter. And yeah. it was like, and some people were like, damn, I wish they didn't give them the suit. He's like, don't give them, <laughs> don't give them what they want. But they did finally give the um, Sam Raimi suit. So, I mean, I thought that was cool. Um, Toxic fandom was back at it again. Yeah, it's just that, like, it's like, all right, guys, whoever's listening, if people are listening, like, dude, you are, they already gave you a great game. Them giving you anything else, including the DLC, is just icing on the cake. You know what I mean? Like, Spider-Man PS4 is complete, even if they gave us nothing. So, you know, like, the entitlement has to end. Like, just the, 
Like, I, it's fine to critique a game or critique something where, like, hey, I didn't get what I was bargain, I didn't get what was bargained for. Like, I can understand, like, companies nowadays where they release, you know, they really say they'll release a fighting game with 12 characters and then they'll make the other 24, you know, DLC. Like, I understand when you complain about certain stuff, you feel like you're getting ripped off, but... It's a whole other thing to harass developers, especially over things that are super minor and they don't have to give you anyway. They easily could have said, we'll put the Raimi suit in the next game. Right. Because this is one thing if you get this was Star Wars Battlefront or that was just not a complete game or it was Battlefront 2 with the whole online debacle. With Final, Fan- Final Fantasy 15 was similar yeah. to that. That too. Or uh, was it Borderlands 69 that was so poorly received or was that fallout 69 um yeah I, I think it was fallout yeah well fa- how fallout was received it's one thing if they give you a game like that riddled with bugs or just super incomplete but this was a fantastic game from storyline to mechanics yes it sort of dragged when you had to play as mary jane or miles without powers that's fine i can understand those complaints but they gave you like 20 something suits most of them are fun and come with fun powers I get it if you wanted the Raimi suit, but seriously, you don't deserve the Raimi suit. I agree. It does. It is a good-looking suit, though. I won't lie. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I think they added some new filters of photo mode too. Yeah, they did. Um, photo mode, photo bomb, Ugh, screwball. <laughs> the photo bomb. Yeah, I was just like, just this. Just stop. At least, hey, at least he's back in prison for now. For now. So I have I'll a cool. Like, I just be like Yuri. Can you get her, please? Just her. Just you get a freebie on that one. Yeah. I have, so I have a question for you. Um, if you think if it's, uh, if we're gonna assume they're done with DLC for a sequel game, um, what characters would you want them to bring in that weren't in this one? Um. So it's interesting because after the end credit scene of the main game, you had the sort of symbiote in there with Harry, which is weird because I don't want Harry to be Venom. Mm-hmm. It, I don't really want Harry to be in it as a villain at all. Um, I want, you know, Norman to be Green Goblin. I would want Eddie Brock to be Venom. Um I honestly wouldn't mind Electro, uh, not Electro, um, Mysterio. Um, yeah, Mysterio would be cool. Game because honestly, if they made him like the ultimate version of Mysterio, that would be great. Um, and I want to see who hired Taskmaster. Um, because honestly, I like the Taskmaster fights. I wish they could have been a bit more um nuance because they were they pretty much just became predictable at the mm-hmm. after like the first couple minutes of it um but yeah so more like that um because since you did the sinister six this time around i don't want to see that again yeah um so let's have uh pretty much you'll have like different villains a part of it but i would like to see norman be the main villain as the green goblin yeah yeah, I mean they they didn't do goblin. Just kidding, don't do that. They didn't do goblin or venom, you know, in this game, and it's still a great game. So I mean, I'm excited for those two. Um, I think they could do Craven. Yeah, Craven the Hunter. 
I'd like to see him be uh like one of those main side missions. Yeah. Um, I would like to see a Venom DLC where they did what was that like Web of Shadow Spider-Man game where everyone everyone was getting infected by symbiotes. I think that could be a cool DLC for the next game. Um, I'm trying to think of characters that they miss. You said Mysterio already. I think Morbius would be cool. Yeah, we yeah. already have him in the game. Um, so it could be like a um similar to how they did Hush in the Arkham games, where you find these bodies that look like they've been sucked uh, dry by a vampire, and you sort of are like investigating and trying to find it, and then at the end you have to fight Morbius for a couple minutes. Not like he's uh, a serious fight, but enough that you're going to have a bigger problem in another game. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I want playable Miles. I mean, at this point, if they don't give us playable Miles, I don't see the point of them literally foreshadowing at the entire game, including the DLC. Where Miles just calls you. Hey, Pete, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, I think you could throw in Spider-Gwen, too, if you really wanted to. If you wanted to do some Spider-Verse-y kind of stuff. But I guess it just depends on how grounded they want the game to be. Yeah, I mean, they could always do a third one that's Spider-Verse, and then you could bring in Moreland and the Inheritors and all that. And I think that'd be fun. And then see all, like, the different costumes of Spider-Man out there. For sure. Yeah, so I think that uh, does it for Spider-Man DLC overall. It's pretty good. I don't think it really detracts from the game all that much. I just wish they had a better villain. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely... The, the DLC is fun. Um, I mean, I don't think it's something you necessarily, like, have to have to have. But, I mean, if you can spare the change, I don't think you'll regret it. Yeah. Um, so, we can run through um, a few shows really quick before we get to kind of our main discussion. Um, I saw... I finished the second season of Runaways. Um, it was better than the first. Second season has way more action. Um, couple, couple MCU references, nothing, nothing too crazy, but, um, you know, uh, Nico, which one's Nico? the girl, with the, the Asian girl, with the magic staff. Yes. She, um, when she uses her powers, she gets like the, uh, the cracks in her eyes, like, um, the villains and, uh, Dr. Strange did. Uh, so people Dormammu. are like, okay, so she like does she have a connection to Dormammu? They don't explain it, but that was cool. And um, Alex, who's uh the black kid, he um he 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 makes a joke about a technologically advanced uh, African nature. I mean, Af African nation. So mm -hmm. first, um, I think that's the first uh, Black Panther reference within any of the TV shows. So. Yeah. So that was cool, but um, the second season, um, it built a lot of the first season of Runaways is like building up the relationships between the kids and the parents. The second season is when they actually run away, and there and there's a lot of like, there there's the whole idea is the parent the parents are evil, so the kids are rebel have rebelled and they're leaving, and the parents are trying their best to get the kids to come back, and that that that's pretty much the crux of um. Runaway season two, and um, there's also I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to explain it without going into like huge spoilers, but um, there are aliens involved on some level, so just just throwing that out there. 
Um, it, it, it's an interesting show. It's definitely not like action crazy if that's what you're kind of looking for. But if you're looking for more like character study type stuff, um, they, they try really hard to make a lot of the kids and the parents kind of relatable. Um, I think there's definitely something you could get out of Runaways. I mean, if you've watched something like Riverdale, I will say the Runaways is better better written than Riverdale. Like Runaways, at least they have plan, they have a plan, and they have arcs for their characters. Why well, I feel like Riverdale is just like at this point just throwing mud at a wall. So um, I liked it for the most part. Yeah, well, I'll eventually give it a give it a go. Don't know when, but um, so the next thing. Um, I started watching Punisher. I'm only three episodes in. Um, this second season of The Punisher is very Logan-esque. Where Punisher, he's essentially, um... He's essentially protecting this... He, he's essentially protecting this girl, like this teenager. She has some information or some secret. We don't know what it is yet. And there's just constantly, like, people coming to kill her. And The Punisher is protecting her for the most part. So I will say that... The second season definitely has more punishing. But like, John Bernthal does not care. He kills people all the time. Um, it's kind of bittersweet because pretty much everybody knows that it's going to get canceled, at least on Netflix. You know, hopefully, it, like just like the other shows, hopefully it ends up coming back. Because I, I definitely think Punisher is a show... You know, that, 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 that has potential. You've got a good lead. And, I mean, some good TV action. But, I mean, the second season isn't too bad so far. I've heard that there's a slog in the middle, like all the other Netflix shows. But, um, yeah, it's just weird being in this phase where, like, you know, back when, like, Daredevil season one was out, like, Jessica Jones season one was out, like, you felt like they were building, like, this intricate TV universe and, like, oh, I saw that character, they were on another show. And, like, we were building up to Defenders. And since Defenders, like, that feeling has been gone, and then the cancellations on top of it, have um you know just made it made it worse so i'm curious to see if these shows will come back in any form if they'll like have new shows the same actors i don't know but um punisher i mean if you if you've got time punisher season two so far it isn't too bad well if they don't come back don't worry we'll have great shows like loki and scarlet witch and vision no no it's young loki young like oh god that's even worse yeah no the so apparently the Loki, this is off topic, so apparently the Loki TV show is about Loki as a kid, and Tom Hiddleston is only doing the voiceover. That sounds awful. I, so I'm like, that. I'm like, who wants this? Like, all, and especially with Marvel getting the rights, getting the Fox rights back, it's like, there's so much potential for so many different things, and if you want to focus more on TV, like, that's fine, but like, young Loki... Yeah, no. And they're like, oh, we don't know if young Thor is going to be in it or not. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. The villain is apparently going to be Enchantress. But I'm just like, just why? I don't I don't understand at all. No. Uh, I, I just hope these are all fake-out shows and none of it is actually real. And Scarlet Witch and Vision, I, I don't, I, why? Like, they're not, you, you've ruined them from being compelling characters. Well, I mean, and, and, that, and those are two, and Scarlet Witch and Vision are definitely two characters in the MCU that just, like, they haven't gotten enough focus for people to care, but it's like, they're super powerful, and I'm just kind of like, 
We we they like there definitely should have been like a like a movie somewhere that had more to do with Scarlet Witch and Vision before Infinity War. Because nobody yeah. cares. I mean, also, arguably, you have the two strongest Avengers right there, or at least two of the top five, and who's really going to be able to stand up against them in that universe? Are you just going to have them roaming around as spies again because you're having them go up against normal people? That's going to be horrible. Yeah, like, I, I, I would have rather had... Did you ever read the... Uh, there was a comic they had with Vision where he, like, made an artificial family... Yeah. That actually wasn't bad because um the wife like the wife vision ends up becoming like a murderous psychopath and then vision has to put her down. It's kind of sad. And the whole family the whole family ends up dying except for uh the daughter, I think. And then there was the beginning of House of M where Wanda created a family where her and Vision had twins, which is also weird cuz he's a robot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't, but it's just I don't know. Like if if you're trying to get people on this new Disney streaming services, I wouldn't lead with Young Loki and Scarlet Witch and Vision. You literally don't have to do any original content for a Disney Plus type thing because people are gonna go over on there for the '90s Disney movies, for the Disney Channel original movies, and for all the Disney Channel series that came in from like 1990 to like 2008. People are just going to watch it just for those things. Yeah, I just, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I just, I'm curious. I guess because we're in this weird phase with Marvel where we don't really know what their plan is after Endgame. Well, oh, we didn't talk about the Far From Home trailer came out. I don't know why yes, we got did. that before... Uh, the next Avengers, but I mean, I guess because it comes out soon, which I don't even know why it needs to come out as soon as it is, like in the summer. I mean, I was okay with it coming out. Apparently, a lot of people were freaking out. They're like, this undermines Infinity War, even to the part where someone went on this, like, five or six, uh, you know, chain tweet where it was filled to, like, all 280 characters about how this is ruining the next generation is going to show them that nothing has stakes and blah 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 and i'm just like all right first of all we, by the time this next generation really gr starts growing up all these movies would have already came out like so so what's the point they are already gonna know that these people survive after this because that other movies are out there, well it's so. also gotta i mean i mean that was i mean that's less of a problem i guess with uh far from home and more of a problem with just you know the doing infinity war as a movie period because you can't really do infinity war in one movie if you do it if you do it with the part one like they did and you end up killing everybody well you know they have to you know at least some of the characters have to come back because they have sequels you know what i mean right you could kill off Iron Man and Cap for real because we've seen them in enough stuff already. But clearly, like, Spider-Man, Strange, you know, Black Panther, the Guardians, even though we don't even know what's happened with that franchise, they all have to come back. Right. 100%. You can get rid of Tony because at this point, Tony's made his mark on the universe. You can get rid of Cap, for, I think, for the same reasons, arguably. Everyone else, I'm like, eh. You can get rid of Hawkeye, I guess. 
Thor can stick around, but he can just, you know, have left Earth, essentially. He can just, or be king of Asgard somewhere. He doesn't really need to be a part of the Avengers unless they really need him. But arguably, you won't need him because Captain Marvel's apparently super strong, and she just looks really bland. Like, you know, of all the seasonings, she's flour. Yeah, I mean, uh, Captain Marvel. We'll we'll see what happens. There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of hype for that movie. I've noticed online, like a lot of it. Like people are like, "This is going to be the best thing ever," and I'm just like, They're gonna "It looks fine." Jedi. I'm like, uh, "Yeah, I really hope it's not a Last Jedi situation." That's that's my new th- uh, thing for pretty much all these movies that get a lot of fan theories and things. I'm like, "You guys are gonna the Last Jedi it," because I mean, granted controversy aside with like some of the things that happened in it the fan theories are what killed that movie more than anything in my opinion but we've talked about the last jedi enough on this podcast yeah i think the internet's talked about the last jedi enough yeah i won't be surprised if in 10 years people start doing dissertations on it all right well um so the Out only to the main event. Wait, one more thing. Uh, oh, one more thing. Caught up on the gifted. It's fine. It's not a bad show. I'm curious to see if they're gonna keep it on the air now that uh, the Marvel Fox merger is pretty much done. But it's not a bad X Men X Men show. Just in the sense of like it keeps stuff self contained enough, and it does the whole humans and mutant you know kind of conflict. I thought relatively well with the budget. So I mean, if you're if you're if you're missing the X Men, I think the Gifted can definitely do something for you. So I'm just throwing that out there. Alrighty. Yeah, I remember watching the first season. I just it was just okay. All right. So uh, you want to get the main event? Yes, the main event. Uh, we both Broly, Broly now. Yeah. So Chris and I we saw um, Dragon Ball Z Broly. Opening night, um, I had a really good time. I thought the movie was uh, pretty fantastic. If you're a Dragon Ball fan, um, I can't see why you wouldn't like it. There are some people who are nitpicking because they uh, they change up uh, Bardock's origin and like yeah. some of the some of Goku's origin with the Dragon Ball minus adaption. Just straight up make him Superman. But overall, um, I really enjoyed the film. I think anime fans and Dragon Ball Z fans. Um, yeah, it, it was it was really good. Best Dragon Ball Super Z GT Dragon Ball movie by far. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I guess this this podcast will come out come out like probably like a week or so from now, so we we can get into spoilers. So spoiler warning if you haven't seen it yet. Um, yes. Bardock dies. Spoiler alert. Bardock dies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so um. I guess w- one thing I liked about this movie is that it was littered with references to the show. And it, you really felt like... Because the thing is, sometimes, like, Toriyama's one of those guys. Dragon Ball's been around long enough. He forgets his own stuff. Like, he has a notoriously oh, wow. bad memory. And what I liked was that there were a lot of references to the show, different things that had happened in the show. Like, one thing I thought was cool... Was um one thing I one the scene I did like is when you see um when you see Bardock and uh was Goku's mom a Jine is that her name? Oh God! I um, think 
when they send Goku away in the pod and you see the pod go to Earth, yeah, you get nice. yeah, you see the pod go to Earth, you get like a flash of like Goku's life and him growing up. I thought that was really cool. Um, we got to see we got to see young Nappa and Raditz. Raditz. Yeah. <laughs> we got to see young Raditz. We saw in the flashback. We saw King Cole. We saw the Ginyu Force. Um, Frieza came out like a boss frieza's yeah frieza's opening scene in the movie this movie gave us a really good frieza like they did a really good job reminding us how evil frieza was you know mm. hello monkeys yeah i was like up oh, there's the racism yeah he's like well uh, here i have he's like here are these scouters let me show you how they work oh are those it, snipers trained on me are those your strongest guys you know finger beam boom kills them you know, yeah, we we didn't talk about this after uh, we watched it when we were outside, Chris. But there was uh, a group of black people sitting right in the pro in front of us, and when uh, Frieza was like, "Hello, monkeys," they all like stood up really like in their seats, like, "What?" <laughs> like, "Oh, y'all forgot about how racist Frieza, Frieza was. was." Yeah, he Frieza was. Grew up in the American South back in the fifties. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, no, my God, no, I just but just the voice acting, the delivery, you know, Frieza. Was just classic Frieza in this movie. Another thing that I liked that he did, we haven't talked about Broly yet. The part where he's trying, where um, Broly's fighting, and he, I don't think Broly had gone Super Saiyan yet. And him and uh, Paragus are talking like, oh, he hasn't gone Super Saiyan? No. And then Frieza has a flashback to when he killed Krillin, and that was the trigger for Goku and Super Saiyan for the first time. Yeah. And then he killed. Like, hmm, I want to test that. I want to test it out. And he kills. Frieza kills um, Broly's dad, and that causes um, Broly to, you know, reach his max power level. Right. And, yeah, Frieza was really great and really petty in this movie. And then he, um, you know, he, uh, when they were, Goku and Vegeta were fighting Super Saiyan Broly as Blue, and then they went to go teleport out. They brought Broly right in front of Frieza because at that point he could he was gonna fight whoever. Yeah, and he they're just like have fun, Frieza, and then Goku used instant strength mission with Vegeta, and that was whole. That was great. No, that because like Frieza, like the whole movie, you're like God, man. Frieza's like a bastard, like, and he finally. I mean, that's the most payback he got. I do feel like he got let off a little easy since most of what happened in the movie was her was his fault for the most part. And they're like, all right, oh, we'll, we'll let Frieza go. But I did like um, that he had to fight Broly. And Broly, I mean, Bro Broly was beating up Golden Frieza pretty well. Yeah, he was taking him to town. And it was funny when uh, after, you know, he sort of slammed Frieza into a mountain, just told Frieza to stay there. He went after Whis, and Whis was just sort of like dodging, like, oh, oh, almost got me there. Oh, oh. And then... The main, what everyone had been waiting for, all Gogeta fans have been waiting for for years. Mm -hmm. Gogeta is now canon. Yeah, Gogeta is canon. Goku, Piccolo has to teach Goku and Vegeta the um, fusion dance. Uh, they screw it up twice, so we get the fat one and the skinny one, which were, again, good callbacks to the show. Because, like, when we saw the movie, we had a really good audience that, like, reacted to the things you're supposed to react to. And that movie was like littered with fan servicey moments like that, right? So it was good. I mean, it, it was it was made for the fans, you know, right? And uh, speaking of things that you know, uh, talking about like Toriyama style, when it was uh, talking about the wishes, how Bulma wanted it to be five years younger, because other than that, people would know it's like, oh, who's your surgeon? Blah 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 blah. 
and then the right next scene it transitions into what Frieza's wish was and Frieza wanted to be spoiler alert five centimeters taller that's why he wanted the Dragon Balls because it wanted to look like he was still growing like it was natural and people were like oh that's stupid I'm like but that's sort of like kid friendly funny and that's what sort of the thing that Dragon Ball Super has been it's been getting back to the like fun mm-hmm. uh, that Dragon Ball was while keeping sort of the power levels of Dragon Ball Z. And so that's what Toriyama was. It, this was a fan service to really Dragon Ball fans and Dragon Ball Z fans, um, but sort of like early Dragon Ball Z fans. But, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. I think it was true to form. Um, no Gohan, which I thought was kind of weird. Yeah. Like, I'm still a Gohan fan, even though you still doesn't really do anything um uh yes and then every uh a lot of people's favorite character um what's her name starts with a c uh, uh the alien girl yes we're just gonna call her jane for now because the tarzan jane references between her and broly were super strong yeah, yeah. I mean, so so the the way they changed up Broly's character in this movie, in, in the original Broly movie, he was essentially a giant baby. The only thing he said was Kakarot. You took off his um limiter. He spoke. He went crazy. He didn't say much though. Yeah, after he goes, well, not too long after he goes like full legendary Super Saiyan mode. At that point, he's just saying Kakarot, but he could speak before. Yeah, but um, in in, in this one. Broly's much more of like, he he's a, he's he's more of like an abused kid where Paragus had has had this limiter on him and whenever he disobeyed him, Paragus would shock him, you know, because he's trying to control Broly's power and um him and his dad were living on this abandoned planet with with no like humanoid people with just like these like bug creatures that were these but they were really gross and the giant um what's the green thing i don't even know what it was bah bah yeah yeah so um chilai that's her name chilai yeah so the way the way broly gets found is that they the 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 um the alien girl and um her friend uh, like old guy they go Chi-Lai to and limo limo yeah they go to that they go to that abandoned planet because they're looking to recruit for the Frieza force because Frieza's um, army is not what it used to be, clearly. And then they bring Broly back, and Frieza realizes that he can use Broly to fight um to fight the Sands because at this point Frieza's smart enough to know that he can't beat Goku and Vegeta. Right. So um, yeah. I mean, she was a good character. I mean, she takes. I mean, early on, she takes. She takes the um. The switch that uh, Paragus has to limit Broly and crushes it. Right. So, I mean, that causes... So that Paragus can't control him later. And she actually saves Broly from dying because Gogeta was going to kill Broly with the final attack. And they used Shinron to wish him back to his planet to save him, pretty much. Right. And, you know, I thought that was fine. Um, It just sets it up open for, you know, Broly to be not a villain, but a rival. Um... Which brings us to the truly most fan service moment of the entire movie, which happens at the very end, uh, where Goku is on the planet, uh, what was it, ben- Benma or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. Vampa, Vampa, there we go. Is on the planet Vampa, 
and Broly is there with Chi-Li and Limo. Goku engines transmissions there. You know, he gives them food and supplies and capsules so they can, you know, live there. And then they're like, well, what's your name? And he's like, my name is Goku, but Broly, call me Kakarot. Kakarot. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. I think everyone sort of like erupted in cheers at that part because it was just like, ah, so next time you see him, instead of just yelling when he's in Super Saiyan mode, he'll be like, Kakarot. Yeah, yeah, because that, I mean, that's what the original Broly was known for. Right. Um. And, oh, they made Super Saiyan 4 canon. Yeah, I mean, so the way they describe Broly's power is that he essentially has the power of a grade 8, but he's able to keep his speed and agility and stay in, like, you know, his humanoid form. So, I mean, Broly's powers in the movie are essentially Super Saiyan 4, because that's what Super Saiyan 4 was. Right, and then he went Super Saiyan, so he was really making it Super Saiyan 4. Yeah. Super Saiyan 4, you had to do the Golden Ape. Uh, yeah, the Super Saiyan Uzuru. Yeah, I mean, and the the action period was beautifully animated. We got Vegeta and regular Super Saiyan God, which we had only gotten in the manga up to this point. They didn't do it in the anime. Right. So that was cool. I mean, we got to see... I mean, we got a long fight in this movie. Vegeta had his turn, Goku had his turn, and then we had to fuse and be, and be a Gogeta. So I thought that was all really cool. And for the first time that I can even remember, uh, we saw a, a fight in Dragon Ball from the Bro well from Broly's perspective, but from a first person perspective. Usually, we are always have this, you know, where this omniscient uh, being watching it, but we got to see it from Broly's perspective and Broly punching Goku through an ice mountain and then following him through the hole. I thought that was really cool. I Yeah, I did think it was really cool. I like when he drags Goku's face through the side of the ice. Yeah. Yeah. He, he and, you know, you got to give it up to Sean Schimmel because when Goku was getting the Loki treatment uh, from Broly, like, it sounded like he was in some pain. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, when he used, uh, he used him like, um, yeah, he pretty much just used Goku as a ragdoll at that point. Mm-hmm. And he was a toddler throwing a tantrum. Yeah. And, um... Oh, we didn't even get into... I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but, uh... So the original... So the flashback... A good, like, what? We say 45 minutes of this movie? Is... 40 minutes, maybe, is a flashback to Planet of Vegeta. We mm -hmm. see... We, we get Bardock's dad. We get King Vegeta, Vegeta's dad. I mean, we have Frieza's intro. And, um... We have Bardock's Goku's dad. So the big, the, the, I guess the semi-controversial part of this movie is that they, like, Bardock, the father of Goku, the old, like, Bardock origin, that's out. It's no longer canon. This is the canon story. Yeah. In this one, um, they make Bardock, he's a lot less savage because, like, in the original Bardock, the father of Goku, like, Bardock was not a good guy. Like, he was not a hero. No. In the Sans period, I mean, they're still pretty evil in this, but the Sans, you know... The Sands were, you know, they were dicks. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're essentially, they're a race of pirates. Yeah, they're a race of pirates for, you know, for the most part. So when Frieza kills them all, it's kind of like, well, you know, they kind of had it coming. You know, in, in this one, they make um, Bardock and Goku's mom a lot more sympathetic. I mean, they're still pirates, but Bardock, you know, decides to save his son out of the goodness of his heart, and they send him away, pretty much copying Superman's origin. Right. And... So you have, go, you know, they send off Goku as a kid. Um, 
And so something that was weird, and it was only split second. I didn't really notice it all that much. Like, I kind of noticed it, but I didn't really until I thought about it after I listened to Team Four Stars. And Chris, can't hear you. All right, better. Better? Yeah. Sorry, just uh, start where you left off. Team Four Star. Can't hear you again. How about now? Oh, it's better. Okay. So until I heard uh, or watched Team Four Star's review was you could clearly see that the last time you saw Bardock before Frieza sent his death ball down was he was, you know, like in his armor, fine, no dirt, nothing. But then for a split second, you see once the death ball is coming to Earth or coming to Planet Vegeta, huge, and Bardock's firing against it, he is clearly... Uh, roughed up, his armor is broken and missing in places, and he's clearly bloody. So it's like there is some scene there that was cut out, and I hope we get it because, I mean, I think that would sort of alleviate some of the people's complaints about Bardock being a cool character. And not being, not mean, he's not as savage as he was before. Right. I mean, he was an okay character. Like, he had a really cool moment in his how he fought against Freeze and all that, but he wasn't that good of a character. Yeah. And and I and I did notice too. I mean, when Bardock dies from the death ball, he dies the same way. Like yeah. it's very similar animation where it hits him and it like starts burning his armor off and that kind of stuff. Like that is that is the same way he died in the original. So they they clearly they clearly rewatched that special to like reanimate that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, and and that's probably the thing I like about this movie is that like the creators definitely took a look back at stuff they'd done before and they go, all right, we want to make sure that the fans really you know, enjoy this. Yeah, and my friend um, asked me during that part, he's like, wait, wasn't Bardock a Super Saiyan? I was like, we don't talk about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, oh, that OVA, yeah, that, that was a weird story. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, do we really need time travel in this? I mean, not without a time machine, it just, yeah, it was weird. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I really enjoyed Dragon Ball Super Broly. Um, I'm glad they kept Broly alive. Um, uh, have you been reading the manga? Because they're past. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. So the manga is past the tournament. Yep. Yeah, they mentioned Broly in the manga, so they're not. As of now, they are not uh, making a manga out of the movie. I am wondering if they are going to uh, make a show out of the movie. I sort of hope they don't. I sort of hope they just leave it alone. Yeah. Because unlike Battle of the Gods where they could reanimate some things and sort of uh, add some things to it, Resurrection F, I just don't even want to talk about. Um, I don't think you need to touch this movie at all. Unless you're going to show us more of that Bardock part, I don't think you really need to show us anything. And just I agree. I mean, I, I think it's good enough to stand on its own. It tells a story that it needs to tell. It, it leaves you wanting more. I think it's always important. Um, when it comes out on Blu-ray, give us the Snyder cut. Oh, my God. That's what I'm calling all director's cuts from now on. Give so us the, the Snyder, Snyder cut. cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was another thing, too, where um, where Goku's fighting Broly. And there's, like, this point where I, he didn't do this before. He used, like, a Super Saiyan God power to, like, stop him. Yeah. And he talks about, like, hey, man, you know, we, you know, Earth is relatively peaceful. We fought a lot of people. You see the flashes of the different villains from the show. 
I thought that was yeah. also cool. Like, part of this movie made me want to go rewatch Z again, even though I'm probably just going to rewatch The Bridge and say, all right, that counts. Yeah. Well, <laughs> for me, it's I, I reread the manga and I'm like, okay, that counts. Yeah. Um, And so, so there was that. And then also, when Vegeta went Super Saiyan God and he's using like these concentrated air blasts and they are wrecking Broly. Mm hmm. And I was just like, oh, okay, that's that's really cool. Um, and then people, you know, were saying like, wait, was that? Oh, I heard it in the theater when um, Goku was turning into blue for the first time. And they're like, is that Ultra Instinct? Because how the animators did it, like you saw when Goku went blue, his hair went silver for uh -huh. a second. And then when Vegeta went Super Saiyan God, uh, you his hair turned green. Or no, when he went Super Saiyan, his hair, hair turned green. People were like, is this a new color? It's like, no, no, it's not. They're just having fun with their animation styles, and it still looked beautiful. Yeah, dude. I mean, I mean, the fact that you had Gogeta in this movie, you didn't need Ultra Instinct. That would have been OP. Yeah, but yeah, only in the way that it's like, okay, you can't really hit him. You couldn't really hit Goku in that part, and he can, uh, like, he'll be able to hit Broly. Like, that's the only way. Like, he's not actually stronger, but it's just... Like, it's untouchable, essentially. But I w they did something that they hadn't uh, done in a Dragon Ball movie uh, or a TV show. They let the fusion, the fused character actually finish off the opponent. Yeah. Because in Fusion Reborn, well, besides in Fusion Reborn, they stay fused to finish off Janemba. But Gotenks never got to finish off Boo. Vegito didn't. Be Blue Vegito didn't finish off Zamas. Or Zamasu, however you say his name. Mm -hmm. um, so besides Fusion Report, which is not canon, Gogeta actually got to quote unquote finish off Broly. Yeah, yeah, they made a reference to uh, Vegito too when he's like, "Oh, last time we fused, used the earrings." So like, they definitely like they definitely knew their continuity well enough. Right. And like, Vegeta doesn't know the fusion dance because he never did it. It's like, all right, yeah, you guys paid attention. Right, and then. Uh, uh, Vegito's like, I refuse to do it. Goku's like, wait, what about Bulla and your darling Bulma? And Vegito's like, don't you dare try to use them against me. Yeah. There's some good Vegeta moments in this for sure. Yeah, Christopher Sabat got to have fun because he was also voicing King Vegeta as well. Um, I'm trying to figure out, see if I missed anything. Oh, yeah, so the last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up for the day. Um, so wh wh where do you where do you see the future of uh, Dragon Ball, you know, the Dragon Ball franchise going? Because they clearly have plans for more. I'm assuming they're going to bring the show back at some point, and they clearly want to use Broly again. Otherwise, they would have killed him. So, right. um, yeah, so, I mean, it looks so like... The... Sorry, you can go. Oh, thanks. Uh, the upcoming arc is sort of taking us to this sort of mystical portion of Dragon Ball like you had with originally like Piccolo and you had with Bobbity. Um, this person was this ancient evil force. So it'll be interesting to see how he they fight him because it took like, you know, the strongest of the Kais to fight him. And so he's not going to be like this typical fighter like we've had in Dragon Ball for pretty much all the villains. Um really ever he's probably going to be more like this bobbity type character but instead of just being able to control people he's just very strong and i think that's fine let's get back into this sort of like fantasy era of dragon ball because i think it went into the more of the sci-fi territory for most of the z 
Yeah, yeah, it, it looks like they're dealing with some fantasy stuff. There's rumors that, like, Goku and Vegeta are going to lose their uh, god powers at some point. And I'm just yeah. like, why would you do that? And that sort of looks like it could happen with this um, villain because apparently the old, the fat Kai that turned Kid Buu into Fat Buu mm -hmm. uh, used up most of his god power when fighting this guy to seal him. So if you have Goku and Vegeta do that, then you could have everything fold back into GT. But the other thing that doesn't make sense about that is um, they've said different things throughout Super that sort of like wipe out that last couple episodes of Z that take place technically after this time. Oh yeah, it was a and peaceful so, I mean, five years. Like, yeah, this ain't all that peaceful. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so we'll see. And then also Bowen like, we haven't seen you in five years. I'm like, y'all are spending a good amount of time together. Um, so we'll see uh, what happens. Um, I think, you know, this Toriyama is going to keep chugging along. I hope this next arc is a lot better than Tournament of Power. But mm -hmm. considering how low the bar was set for that, I don't think it's going to be that hard. Um, yeah. But Dragon Ball, I think, is still my favorite anime of all time. Uh, but speaking of favorite animes of all time. What's up? Uh, so we were talking about this probably a couple weeks ago. And so I once did a best, an best animated Disney movie of all time bracket. And I brought it back a few weeks ago in one of the groups I'm in. So uh, we had the idea. And actually one of the people... Um, that was on the animated Disney bracket said I should do is a best anime of all time. So at some point in the near future, we'll probably be compiling 32 animes and releasing a bracket of best anime of all time. And depending on the timing and how long we decide to do it for, we might commentate how things do, or maybe we'll just make small mini podcasts on the different rounds, depending yeah, yeah, no, it might be, I mean, depending on how it goes, it could be a thing we talk about, you know, whenever we do the podcast, and we can kind of go in discussions about our opinions about what we think about the brackets and what's better than what, you know. I'd really like to see if I could grab um, some guests to come on. We'll definitely need some guests for that. Um, So I, I'm, I'm going to scour the interwebs to see see if I can, yeah, see see if I can find some people to come on come on the show because i like when guests come on it's a good time yes it's good to, uh you know hear some other things and um we'll we'll dive into it i mean there's only so far i've uh dove into anime so i'll be i mean when it comes to my favorite ones i'll be out there defending it as hard as i can but when it comes to others i'm just gonna be like yeah okay i'll, t I'll take your word for it as long as Rurouni Kenshin gets in, that's all I care about. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so be on the lookout for that. All right. Uh, Chris, do you have anything else before we wrap up? Nope. All righty. Well, um, I'm Chris. I'm Chris. And this has been the 19th edition of the Two Black, Two Nerdy Podcast. Um, next edition will be 20th. So I'll be yeah. that'll be cool. I'll see if we can do anything special. But um, yeah, thank you guys for listening and um, always looking for feedback. You can tweet me at that guy CD. 
You can tweet me at Chris underscore Breezy 23. All right, and we'll um, see you guys later. Bye-bye. Live long and prosper.